This is John Halsman. Welcome to the Around the World in 20 Minutes podcast, and Happy New Year, Happy 2022, as we begin to make sense yet again of this beguiling world that we happen to live in and the new era that we're at. I want to spend some time today on the last of our seven predictions, which we had mentioned as our upset special, the highest risk call, but also one that can change the state of play. And we predicted in our column at the end of last year, our prediction column, that Vladimir Putin will indeed invade Ukraine. Um, This is not the normal view. In fact, this flies in the face of most of my political risk competitors, which secretly makes me think I'm likely to be right, given the abysmal call record of many of my competitors. Uh, But why did I say this? I wanted to spend an entire podcast beyond just looking at the follies of my competitors, look at why I think Putin will indeed invade Ukraine. And first of all, to say he he will invade Ukraine sort of misses the point. He's already invaded Ukraine through encouraging Russian-speaking separatists in the eastern part of Ukraine and Luhansk and Donetsk. Putin has, in effect, neutered the country, and the two easternmost provinces have de facto become part of the Russian Federation, with Putin supplying them with troops, wherewithal, weaponry, so that there is, in effect, a World War I-style trench warfare there, uh, where not much has moved since 2014, and Ukraine has been divided. So to say Putin's going to invade Ukraine, that horse has already sort of left the stable. But to increase Russian, the Russian presence in Ukraine, to reinvade Ukraine, to invade Ukraine further, all of them are shorthand for, will Putin invade Ukraine? And the question is always when we do these podcasts, the only question that matters in the world, be it a detective novel, be it science, or be it political risk analysis, is why? Why would Putin do this now when he's already, in essence, stopped Ukraine from joining NATO as he stopped Georgia? That there is an unwritten rule that NATO members can't have territorial claims. And in both cases, in Abkhazia, in Georgia, and Donetsk and Luhansk in Ukraine, there are Russian troops sitting on a country that wants to join NATO, which means they're not going to get into NATO, which means he already de facto has a veto over these two countries joining NATO. So what you read in the mainstream media, that Putin wants to stop Ukraine joining NATO, he's already done that. He's already done that. And people who say that don't read the rest of the article. They simply don't know what they're talking about. Putin has stopped them de facto joining NATO, even if people wanted them to join NATO, which at the moment no one does. Certainly not the Europeans who stopped Ukraine getting a membership action plan, a detailed map as to how they could get membership. It was said before in the 2000s that Ukraine might someday be a member without a plan being given, which is the normal procedure because the Europeans put the brakes on because they sensibly realized Ukraine cannot be defended. Why should NATO take in a country and a member it can't defend, thereby destroying the efficacy of the alliance itself? And they managed to put the brakes on the starry-eyed neoconservatives running the Bush administration who wanted a free Europe all as far as they could go in a Robespierreist way. And thank God the Europeans stopped the Americans doing this because Ukraine is indefensible. There's absolutely no doubt about this. But nor do we want the Russians to invade it. It puts the United States in a very difficult position. You can't tell us who our members will be, but we don't want them to be a member. 
is in, in effect the American position. The European position is more consistent. We don't want them to be a member. Um, and that that is the reality. But the idea that Putin has to invade Ukraine to stop NATO expanding doesn't fit the facts at all. And if you read that in a story, that doesn't explain the why of what Putin is about here. So what does? Why does Putin want to invade Ukraine or reinvade or further invade Ukraine, to be more exact? And why now? Why not before? Why not some other time? Why now? I think there are four basic reasons that Putin wants to invade Ukraine now, um, but they start from his common strategy. For anybody who's read my book, To Dare More Boldly, The Audacious Story of Political Risk, we devote a whole chapter to trying to analyze chess players, those rare individuals who have fixed strategic perspectives and then use tactics which come and go to get them there. Uh, in the book, I spend my time talking about primarily Pope Leo, sorry, Pope Julius II, Julius II, who had fixed strategic plans and managed to unite all of northern and central Italy around the papal states because of these fixed objectives in the face of more colorful Bond villain characters like Cesare Borgia that Machiavelli stupidly supported rather than supporting Julius, who was a chess player. Another set of chess players were Alexander Hamilton and George Washington, who had very fixed strategic perspectives around the idea of manifest destiny that the United States would eventually dominate all of the North American continent and would continue westward, and that that was where the eye on the prize ought to be kept. This is rare. Most leaders work through tactics, the key example being the fruit fly that was Angela Merkel. They think, how do I get through the day? How do I survive the 24-hour news cycle? They don't have fixed strategic objectives. But a rare exception to this general rule of people living through tactics is the strategic view of Vladimir Putin, who is a chess player par excellence. And Putin has a very fixed strategic objective to make Russia great again, to keep Russia at the great power table in spite of everything, in spite of its failing economy, the Russian economy is only the, the size of the state of Texas. It's miserable demography. Its men have a tremendous alcohol problem, as anyone who's ever been to Russia knows. And demography is terrible, particularly in the east of the country, in Siberia, resource rich where almost no one lives per square mile, as the covetous Chinese look at it. A country that is an economic pygmy, but is still a military player. And Putin has somehow put masking tape around this heart of the former Soviet Union and maintained its great power status. Putin sees himself as simply the, lat the latest strong czar in the mold of Peter the Great, coming back and making Russia great again, trimming the boyar's beards. In the case of Putin, he stopped the oligarchs, who are the modern-day boyars, from running the country into the ground, uh, exiled some, jailed some, made deals with others, but took charge of that system after the drunken, weak Yeltsin years, and has restored Russia, if not a superpower, which it certainly is not, at least a great power. And Putin has a traditional concept of what a great power is, meaning it has a sphere of influence around it. In Russia's case, Putin is very specific. He mentions this every time they have one of these marathon press conferences that he does once a year, when he names names, the Balkans, uh, Belarus, Ukraine, first and foremost, the Caucasus and parts of the Middle East are the key area, the sphere of influence around Russia that give Russia strategic depth, 
so it cannot be easily invaded from the West, no small consideration given Russia's glorious if tortured history. And so you need that strategic depth. You lose that without Ukraine. It's the jewel in the crown of the spheres of influence reality. And so Putin has to defend it at all costs. But having invaded Ukraine, he stopped it becoming a NATO member de facto. So why now? If all that's true, and if he has these fixed strategic objectives to keep Russia at the great power table, whatever comes, and doing this through a sphere of influence where Russia is dominant in its near abroad, the Balkans, uh, Belarus, Ukraine, the Caucasus, and part of the Middle East. Why now? Well, first, he wants to formalize this sphere of influence. The guy has now been in power for 22 years, a very long run in Russian history. If he plays his cards right, he'll outlast the murderous reign of Stalin and be the longest-serving modern Russian leader. That seems to be entirely possible. But the guy's 69 now. And he's looking at his place in history, and Putin has been clear he doesn't want to leave the Ukrainian problem for a successor. And by the way, there is no set successor, which is part of the problem of ruling the way he and Xi Jinping do. You always worry about the succession. This is a very brittle time. And so ahead of this time of transition, Putin, at the apex of his power, president for as long as he likes, wants to take care and settle this. So he wants to formalize what already is. And this is why he is pressing the United States and NATO to sign some sort of treaty or make some sort of understanding, which in essence acknowledges his predominance in his near abroad. And Putin points to the fact that the same is, holds true for the United States in areas like Mexico. All he wants is a sphere of influence next door where he is acknowledged as the predominant power, meaning NATO will never expand to Ukraine. Now, the United States is not going to give him this, nor is NATO. Because to say an outside power can control your membership obviates all the gains made in the Cold War. They're simply not going to do it. But why is this Putin's first bargaining position, his initial bargaining position? Well, the reason is that this is what he wants. And whether we sign a formal paper or not, merely in the next week for the United States to meet Putin face to face is a huge win for Putin. He can say, I am a great power. I am meeting with the superpower to decide the fate of Ukraine. And because nothing will change by the Americans merely meeting with Putin and nothing changing, Putin can say he put his demands on the table. He was incredibly specific and, cre and incredibly clear about Russian national interests, and no one has come along to undo them. And in fact, he can do as he pleases in his near abroad, which is why he wants to invade. It shows he can do as he likes in his near abroad. So that's the first reason. It would formalize his sphere of influence, which would go back to his strategic goal of keeping Russia at the great power table. The second reason, and it falls on from the first, is that this would neuter Ukraine. Ukraine is a demonstration effect for Putin. He recently wrote a 9,000-word essay. I mean, you've got to say the guy's busy. A 9,000-word essay saying, in essence, there is no difference between the Russian people and the Ukrainian people. They are one and that this is his view, and that the, their division, and he said before the end of the Cold War and the division of Ukraine from Russia, is one of the great geopolitical catastrophes in world history, to quote Putin. That's not the view of the East Europeans, the West Europeans, or the United States. But it is Putin's view that it's a tragedy that the Russian people are divided into two states between the Ukrainians and the Russians. He does not accept Ukrainian 
nationhood and sees that as a threat to his view of the world. Ideally, in a perfect world, Putin would like Ukraine to be run by stooges, as it's been done in the past, who are dominated by the Kremlin. Well, that's not going to happen. Uh, Voldemar Zelensky, the current president, former comic and TV star, is increasingly pro-Western in his orientation. The civil war has ironically, or the war in Ukraine, has ironically ignited Ukrainian nationhood. So the Western part of Ukraine, already more pro-Western, already more innately Ukrainian, is now extremely pro-Western, given what's happened in the eastern part of the country. There's been a counter-demonstration effect. And so these people are now much more Ukrainian than they were before Putin invaded. And so Putin isn't going to get his ideal solution, which is Ukraine run as a satrapy by a pro-Kremlin stooge. So the next best option for Putin is one he can get, which is to ruin Ukraine. And let's be clear, the Ukrainians have done a good job of ruining themselves, and this isn't talked about nearly enough. They've run their economy into the ground despite vast natural resources. The country is a byword for endemic corruption. I've been there a number of times, and I can tell you, you have to bribe literally everyone to get anything done. It is a soul-destroying country without much rule of law, with tremendous opportunity that's frittered away by its own oligarchy, its own corrupt oligarchy, similar, ironically, to the one in Russia, which keeps it from realizing its economic potential. So on its own, Ukraine was doing a pretty good job of not amounting to much. But Putin's invasion has certainly put pay to any hope that Ukraine's reformist inclinations can come to fruition, and this suits Putin just fine as a second option. If Ukraine is a basket case, Putin can go to the neighbors and say, look what happens when you side with the West. You become a basket case. It is not a viable alternative for the future of your country. Rather, you should ally yourself with us, where you'll have peace, stability, and the reality of growing from there. And so, yes, Putin's not going to get his ideal solution, which is stooges running Ukraine and Kiev. Instead, though, he's going to get Ukraine as a basket case if he reinvades or invades again or invades. And for all these reasons, this is the second point as to why Putin is doing this. Ukraine as a basket case suits him just fine. The only thing he can't have Ukraine do is be pro-Western and prosperous and peaceful. Then it becomes a demonstration effect for not a Slavophile view of the world, which Putin has going back into Russian history. The Slavophiles think Russia is unique, democracy doesn't suit it, that its own national character and organic history make it used to czarist autocracy, which Putin is practicing, and that its uniqueness should be cherished and not turned away from. This is versus the Western, the, the other Russian tendency, which is to be Westernizers, all of Russian history can in essence be seen as a battle between westernizers and Slavophiles. Putin is a Slavophile, meaning if Ukraine works, he's wrong, and that indeed Russia can adopt Western institutions successfully, and that Russia itself then comes under the microscope. Why hasn't it if Ukraine has? This is an ideological and ideational threat directed precisely at Putin, and so he has to stop that. And so Ukraine has to be a basket case, and that's the second reason. Um, the third reason that Putin would invade Ukraine now is that he can easily divide the West. All these years of a lotus-eating Europe not having an army are coming home to roost. Without having an army, nobody cares what you have to say. The world is not a debating society, as the Europeans seem loath to understand as they continue their holiday from history 
just a little bit longer, though one wonders if this might wake them up. But having worked with them for 20 years and been against the Europeans for 20 years in a strategic way, and this has never hurt my call record, I doubt they'll wake up because they simply don't want to. They like things there. They are isolationist, inward-looking, want to preserve their lifestyle as their religion above all else. The last thing they're going to do is have an army. So they have an embarrassed silence about Russian revanchism, but they need Russian gas too much, and they don't want to go to the trouble, which would be an immense sacrifice of having an army. So they will tut-tut at the Russian invasion, but prove again they are feeble and useless strategically, which suits Putin to the ground to say, I'm a great power, and the EU, despite economically being far more powerful than me, geostrategically, is a pygmy, even in comparison to a Russia whose economy is the size of the state of Texas. So the Europeans look yet again enfeebled and useless. And that suits him. But then even better, the Americans aren't going to do anything. Proving that Ukraine is part of the Russian sphere of influence. And this suits Putin perfectly. They're going to wave their finger. They're going to enact sanctions which he'll try to get around with the Chinese and the Iranians. They've had some discussions about this after the Iran, the tough sanctions on Iran during the Trump years. The Chinese and the Russians have looked about how to get around the SWIFT system for moving money around the world. And if tough sanctions are put in place, and I believe they will be, the Russians will be prepared for this. But ultimately, the United States isn't going to do anything. And so Putin looks tough. The Americans look weak. And in his next door neighbor, he looks predominant. So even if not a superpower, he's the great power in his backyard, which is all Putin wants to show. And this leads me to the last reason I think Putin will invade Ukraine, because he can. Let me repeat that. I think Putin's doing this because he can. The Americans are preoccupied with COVID, with domestic divisions, with its Asia pivot, which is the correct pivot in my view. Uh, that pre all the presidents have made uh, since Obama, that Asia is where all the action is, all the future growth of the world, much of it, and much of the future political risk of the world. And that's the proper pivot. But that leaves Europe exposed to the EU doing more, which is a sick joke. They're not going to do anything. And so in this strategic gap, in this hole, as America pivots to Asia, as America looks on Europe to do more, and as Europe does nothing, this is a great opportunity. This moment, the question as to why now, is because the Americans are preoccupied with the Chinese as a superpower peer competitor, as they should be, and the Europeans are napping, dreaming of their lifestyle lasting forever, which it surely will not. But in this, there is a gap, a strategic hole, and Putin is rushing to fill it now because the Americans are not preoccupied with Europe anymore. And the feeling is if a bunch of first world countries in Europe can't be bothered to care about their defense, the U.S. can't care more about Europe's defense than Europe does, something I've said to the Europeans many, many times. Well, now the chickens come home to roost. Now Putin tests the alliance, sees America moving toward Asia, the Indo-Pacific, as it ought to, and sees the strategic gap and is moving to secure his sphere of influence while he's at the apogee of his power. Looked at from Putin's point of view, thus, all this makes sense, and this explains why Putin will invade Ukraine, because he can. He's taking advantage of the geostrategic hole, the black hole, left by America's pivot to Asia, its own preoccupations, and Europe, yet again, not amounting to very much at all. Putin has gambled on all this, and being the great chess player that he is, 
is about to win and score a checkmate in Ukraine. The key question then is afterwards, what does the United States do to rally the West to deal with this invasion, to deal with Ukraine's reinvasion or further invasion? How does it rally the West? Does it move troops eastwards in NATO as it should? Does it demand that the Europeans actually do something on defense rather than being polite to them at cocktail parties for no reason? Does anything change? Putin is betting not much does, and he can weather the coming diplomatic storm. He doesn't mind if the Americans and Europeans snub him at cocktail parties as long as he get what gets what he wants. Formalizing his sphere of influence, neutering Ukraine, dividing the West, making both portions look weak, and taking advantage of this geostrategic black hole. That is why Putin will invade Ukraine, because he can. Thank you very much. I, this is a very fun one and a provocative one to start the new year. For those of you who haven't subscribed to the Around the World in 20 Minutes podcast, and so many of you have, thank you so much. And please do subscribe now. And for those of you who have, please do give as the new year begins. I'm about to go make the second pot of espresso. And as those of you know, it's a very simple calculation with Substack. We talk directly to you in the community through these podcasts, which I love doing. And in return, we ask the price $70 a year or $7 a month. $70 a year or $7 a month, which is half of a Starbucks a month. And if you think this is worth half of a Starbucks, then please do give. We greatly appreciate it because this year we intend as a firm to do more and more and more on Substack, which is the best platform in the world for creativity and for creatively looking at the world and using that creativity to explain this very complicated world, as we just did now. Why would Putin invade and why now? I think we've answered that in a way that you're not going to get in most mainstream papers. And with an 80% call record prediction uh, success, I think you can take our, our predictions here and our analysis to the bank. Thank you very much and on to the next. Off to make the coffee.